Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in for Bearcat Rewind, episode number 43 of the podcast. And today, we're talking with the former Northwest Missouri State defensive end, Roberto Davis. Roberto has an interesting story, starting his college career at New Mexico State, playing on the offensive line. He eventually ended up at Northwest on the defensive side of the football and made the most of his two seasons in the green and white. 2010, Roberto was first-team All-MIAA, also third-team All-America by the Don Hansen Gazette. He also led Northwest in tackles for loss in each of those two seasons, totaling 23-and-a-half, and finished with seven sacks in both of those years, which led the team in 2010. Now he's in the coaching ranks, working under another former Bearcat at Wayne State. Bearcat Rewind is brought to you by the Northwest Foundation, providing support for the Northwest Alumni Association and the university's funding needs since 1971. More information is available on Facebook or online at nwmissouri.edu slash alumni. And Clorinda Regional Health Center, offering support to Southwest Iowa and Northwest Missouri each day during times of uncertainty through emergency services and a local team of providers and nurses. More information at clorindahealth.com. We talk with Roberto Davis about getting to Northwest and making an instant impact on the championship team, why he wore the number 87 as a defensive lineman, and a Super Bowl prediction. Let's dive into this week's Bearcat Rewind. Well, joined today by Roberto Davis. Roberto, we appreciate you coming on and chatting with us and uh, kind of an, an unusual fall that we're experiencing here, but at least finding different ways to get uh, a little bit of football and, and some things like that. And one fun thing, at least for us at Northwest Missouri State, is kind of looking back on some great football teams, and you were a part of those. You look back 2009 and 2010 for yourself here with the Bearcats, a pair of MIAA titles, 26-3 record overall, 19-0 in the MIAA, and a national championship to boot. Uh, that has to feel pretty good, kind of looking back on wrapping up that college playing career and seeing so much success. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome, especially just from the rich tradition that Northwest Missouri State has and um, the great classes and teams that have kind of have um, went through Northwest over the years um, to be mentioned with, with those great teams and, and stuff like that. Um, it's, it's definitely been amazing, um, and it's a, it's a one-of-a-kind culture that, that we kind of breathe, breathe every day. And it's a lot of fun because you see so many different guys – from different backgrounds, different journeys to, to get to that point and, and to be able to excel in the field with Northwest Missouri State. The 2005 season, if I read correctly, you're with New Mexico State playing on the offensive line. Can you talk about that transition to the defensive side, but also getting to Northwest? Yeah, um, so just like you said, uh, out of high school, um, I was recruited at a couple different positions, um, but ended up deciding to sign with New Mexico State to play offensive line. Um, I started at left tackle there my freshman year, um, and then um, after after that season was over, we had we didn't have a really great season. Uh, first time in my life I've ever lost every game. We think we went like zero and twelve. Um, so for me, um, it just was something I wanted to get out of. Um, and then I kind of transferred over to um, Reedley Junior College. Um, that's where I kind of made the transition from. Uh, offense to defense. Um, I kind of went in and met with the head coach right before the season um, and kind of asked him what position he wanted me to play um, because at the time he kind of had me at multiple things and he said, I, you know, what, how does defensive end sound? And I said, great, and kind of went forward full steam ahead from there. Um, and then we had a great um, year, my, my year at Reedley. Um, we ended up making it to the North Cal Championship and then we ended up losing. Um, but after the season was over, um, got in contact with, with Northwest, 
Um, and they were, you know, interested in bringing me up for a visit. Um, and at the time, Coach Churchma, um, he had called me and, and kind of told me he was sorry for, um, not reaching back to me sooner, but they're in playoffs right now. And this was kind of before I really knew about Division II um, and told me that they were playing on ESPN and I should check them out. So I <laughs> uh, kind of watched it. Um, it was, I think it was, actually, I think the game was when they played Northern Alabama, and that would have been in 2008, I believe. Um, and it was freezing cold. And I told myself, I, I don't know if I can survive in that kind of weather, but <laughs> went up on a visit and um, fell in love with the coaching staff. Um, first and foremost, just just their mindset. Um, you know, they weren't giving anybody anything. Everything was you got to come in, compete, and earn it. And that was kind of what I wanted to do. Um, and then obviously met Coach Wright, and we had a position meeting, and fell in love with that. Just his mindset and um, it, it, just how he coaches guys, and how he watches film, and just the mind that he is um, really intrigued me to Northwest. Um, and that's kind of what I did. I went, I met up with a couple players. Um, and kind of fell in love with those guys, and it was it was a no-brainer for me. It was a no-brainer to just decide, hey, Northwest is my home. Things worked out, and you wouldn't ever know that you didn't like that cold weather because obviously some big games over the years <laughs> in, the, in that cold weather. But you, you talk about playing tackle on the offensive line, then you, you end up switching to defensive end, and, and by the time you wrap things up with Northwest, uh, uh, getting some All-American honors there too. Going into it, do, do you see the offensive line and, and you're kind of in the head of an offensive lineman and, and you're able to, to beat them to the punch at certain things or, or, or beat them at times to where you're kind of seeing it from their point of view? Yeah, I think I, de- I definitely tried to take that with me when I kind of switched positions. It was one thing that I tried to really look at um, as a defensive lineman is understanding what I was trying to do as an offensive lineman and how, and how they're trying to attack me now being a defensive lineman. I think it definitely helped me in a lot of ways. Like you said, being able to just reach set, see how they're, whether, you know, if they're down in a heavy stance or if they're up in a pass stance and what their tendencies are, what they try to do. Um, it, it was definitely something being an offensive lineman since I was in high school, um, that I was able to kind of transition to my mental mindset of when I was playing defensive line. Now, alongside you uh, on those lines, you think about 2009 and you think about 2010. There's guys like Paddock, Sunderman, Shade, Lawrenson, Davis, of course, joining that group as well. But both of those years, you lead the team in tackles for loss, seven sacks apiece in each of those those years. When you're in a room like that and, and learning from Coach Wright, who's now the head coach, of course, here at Northwest, is that just an iron sharpens iron kind of uh, situation there? Oh man, it's, it's, it's absolutely no doubt about that. Um, so the, the crazy thing for me was, is coming from the places that I, that I was at, a lot of guys aren't willing to help their position group. I mean, yeah, you're a group and you're a whole, but when you're trying to take someone's spot as you come in and you're trying to get, earn a spot on the depth chart, you know, that's someone's spot that you're taking. And, um, those are guys that you named, um, they all, you know, welcome me with open arms coming in as a junior college guy. Um, Sean Paddock, I mean, from day one, um, we clicked very well. We're st- I mean, all those guys were still friends to this day. Um, when we see each other, it, it's like it's a brotherhood, um, and that's what they built there. But just the mindset um, of those guys is knowing that, hey, we all got a common goal, and our common goal was to win a national championship. I mean, that's why I went to Northwest. I told myself I wanted to give myself a chance to compete for a national championship, um, and those guys welcomed me, and they were in the same boat. And I believe at the time they had, they had lost, I think, 
two or th- I'm sorry, three or four in a row, and and kind of just for them to pick up where they left off and add more pieces and be able to make me feel you know wanted and like a brother while I was there. Like you said, it's just iron sharpened iron. Every day we went to practice, it was pushing each other, helping each other, coaching each other, um, which which kind of helps and, and makes an elite team is when your guys are out there able to coach themselves up. Um, and then that's one thing I learned from Coach Wright, you know, kind of as I grew as a player. You know, it used to be just put your hand in the dirt and play football. Um, as I kind of developed with Coach Wright, it was more of a mindset of understanding what's going on when you're putting your hand in the dirt. What is the offense uh, giving you? What formations are they giving you? What are their tendencies in those formations to help you be successful whenever you, it's, you know, whenever it's your time to get out there and play? And those things are stuff I take with me till this day, you know, as a coach now. It's just, I kind of try to, um, you know, try to enlighten my guys with the same knowledge that, that, you know, I was able to get from a coach like Coach Wright. Heading into that first fall camp, and, and you mentioned there um, Northwest, you know, starting in 05 through 08, four national championships in a row. The Bearcats able to get there but hadn't got over the hurdle since 1999. Is there any talk of that in the locker room in fall camp going in of the success but not quite the success that they had hoped for to that point? You know what's crazy is the mindset was, they, you know, they they really didn't they really didn't talk about it much at all. More of the mindset was one game at a time, when one game at a time to allow us to get back in that situation. And then once we get there, we'll go, we'll, we'll finish the job. Um, obviously, it, it, to say that people didn't think about it and talk about it from time to time, you know, obviously when you go there so many times and you don't, and, and you can't get over the hump, it, it's going to get talked about. But I wouldn't say it was something that was mentioned repet- repeatedly in the locker room. More it was, let's, you know, for example, you know, we got Mo West. Well, we got to win this game. And then we got UNO back when they had, you know, we got to win this game. And that was the mindset of the team. And I think that's what made them so great is in, in our hearts, we knew we were champions and we, and we could play to that level. But it was actually going out there game by game, one day at a time and getting better every single practice and every single game. So you're learning that Northwest history kind of on the fly about some of those rivalries like the, the, North, the Missouri Westerns and the Pittsburgh States and so forth. You get to that national championship in 2009. Um, what did you know about the Lakers? What did you heard about Grand Valley State and, and some of those past meetings between those two teams? Yeah, so prior to going um, or to playing in the national championship against them, um, I was pretty, uh, before I got to Northwest, I've, I, I've heard of them before. Didn't really, I know they, you know, won a lot of football games. I didn't know the actual rich history behind them, uh, behind Grand Valley. So as I got there and, you know, they all start narrowing down and we, you know, kind of saw that that matchup could happen. Definitely kind of just did a little research and, and saw that they played them before national championships. Um, that there's a, a, a pretty intense rivalry or, or a matchup there between the two, I would say. Um, and leading into that game or leading up to that moment, uh, definitely when we got there in Alabama, um, back in the days when y'all tra- when we traveled to Alabama for the national championship games, you can feel the intensity level when we both were in the same place at the same time. Just the fact, not not a I hate you kind of thing. It was just more of you know this this is the game we won and this is the game we got to go win kind of mindset. It's a national championship. You, you knock off a team like that. I mean, two Titans in NCAA Division Two football, but. What was the feeling like whenever you kind of think back to that phone call you get from Coach Churchma when he says, hey, we're in the playoffs, you should check us out on ESPN. Fast forward a, a year or so, and then you're on ESPN with him, helping him win that national championship, and he gets his third ring, and, and how special was that uh, that moment overall? 
Oh man, it, it is absolutely. Uh, uh, it words can't really explain it, I and mean, I that's just the, the feeling I had. Um, you know, it was it was <laughs> it was like a little kid in a candy store. Like you just you have you just you've been waiting for this moment for so long. Um, you know, and just to compete for a national championship or a championship in general, and you get this opportunity to say you're the number one team in the country. Um, and to finally, when that clock said zero, um, to, to understand what we accomplished throughout the year, um, the most important thing, you know, the feeling was unbelievable, but the, the best thing about it was just seeing the looks on everybody's faces. Everybody was smiling, happy. Um, you know, we all did all this work up until this point, and for all your work to pay off for you, it was just absolutely amazing. Um, going into Coach Churchma, um, you know, prior to – me going to Northwest, I, I really, I knew, I, I've heard the name. I didn't really know who he was. Um, but then after being, you know, being, getting, coming here and being around him and understanding, um, who he was and what he represents for Division Two football, it was huge. Um, and you know, he, he, coach, as everyone knows in Maryville, he's just an awesome person. Um, an incredible human being, um, you know, coming back from when I stopped playing to go back to Maryville to be a grad assistant. Um, he, do, he He's always, you know, been kind to me, always said good words to me, helped me if I needed help. Um, and, and just to see, just to understand what that, you know, that ring meant to him and then kind of understanding what his team means to him. It's just, it, it's amazing feeling to be able to, to just see him smile the way he did that day. That was one of those grins that you just couldn't wipe off his face for probably about a month or two after that. Either. But <laughs> you, you get that no nas- that national championship, then you roll into your senior year in 2010. The MIAA win streak continues throughout that year. A run of the national semifinals and six of the eight final games that year decided by six points or less. But the one point win over UCM during that stretch, one of the most memorable for Bearcat fans to look back on. And and I'm sure that you get the Bearcat fans on your side, obviously winning a ring. But I would think going to a rival's house like that in Warrensburg, uh, holding that high-powered offense to 16 points and somehow stealing that one, I mean, that has that probably gets you a few free dinners. Not that anybody's giving anything away for free, NCAA. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like that's, that's something yeah. that Bearcat fans don't forget. No, totally, 100%. I mean, I can remember, you know, I can remember that like it's yesterday. Um, just even the pregame stuff, just understanding who we're going against. Um, we knew that, you know, like you said, they had a high-powered offense, and we knew that this was probably the best offense we're going to see all year long. Um, they just had so many weapons. You turn on the film, um, I mean, they can do it all. They could run. Um, they had a very, very fast back who can catch out the backfield and break, and you won't you won't be able to catch them. They had good skill guys, a receiver. Their O-line was really good, and they had, I think, uh, I believe their quarterback that year was up for the Harlan Hill. Um, so, I mean, just – just the expectation of going in that game and knowing what we were up against was huge. Um, and then, obviously, as the game kind of played out, it was a close game. Um, and I remember, you know, just a couple of things that stand out in the back of my head um, is I know they're running back. I think his name was Jonathan Stewart. He caught a ball, and he's taken off, and it's, it's probably about to be like an 80, 70, 80-yard run. And uh, our cornerback, Ryan Jones, makes an incredible play across the field. Um, and it just it just kind of exemplifies what 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 Northwest being on the Northwest defense is all about. It's just it's all effort. Um, you, we don't stop until that clock says zero zero. And I remember him probably not being able to catch this guy, but just seeing Ryan just give everything he got to run across the field and and tackles uh, Jonathan Stewart. I believe I think it was inside the five. 
um, and that allowed us to to stop them, I think, for a field goal. And I can't remember if they made or missed that field goal. Um, and then that kind of led into that last drive um, where the offense kind of ran a hook and ladder, I believe, um, and then set up for the walk-off field goal. And that was, <laughs> I mean, that was just absolutely, I mean, I, I personally, from my view, thought we missed it. Um, I was kind of heartbroken. And then as I kind of saw the refs' arms wave, the official arm wave up, I, I, man, we just stormed the field. It was absolutely insane. Well, and it, so you talk about the defense and, and the play made by Ryan Jones, and I got to say, you're pretty spot on with your memory, too, with, with how that all went down. But there was twice in that fourth quarter where they had a chance to make that um, more than a field goal game where Northwest would have had to get a touchdown to win it, and twice getting deep inside the red zone, and, and I think facing a fourth and one at least one time and a chance to, to push it over the top. And Northwest just bent a little bit but didn't break. And you talk about yeah. Ryan and, and what he put out there. You guys went toe-to-toe with maybe the best offense in the nation that year, held them to 16 points, didn't break. What is the exhaustion level at that point when you get deep in the fourth quarter and you need one more stop? Oh, man, it is. It's 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 one of those things um, where in the moment you're, you're definitely exhausted. Um, you're, you know, you feel like you've, you're emptying out your whole tank. Um, but at the same time, this is what Bearcat football is all about. This, these are the times in the off season when we did stuff in the off season that we trained for. Is when it's the fourth quarter and you feel like you have nothing left to give, um, but you got a brother to the left or the right of you that's counting on you, and you got to go out there and, and do it to the best of your ability. Um, and I think that just exemplifies kind of the mindset of, of the Northwest football team. Um, it's just you know we we put ourselves in these situations. Joe Quinlan is a exceptional um strength and conditioning coach um you know when i was playing you know he always did his best to to have us prepared for those moments um and then when we went out there i remember you know that fourth quarter uh, running this chasing this running back around all day and and man it was it was definitely was so tired but at the end of the day you just suck it up and you get out there and you got to perform and uh, that's that's the level and expectation that you have when you're wearing that bearcat green well, Scott Bostwick, the, the great defensive coordinator for Northwest, always seemed to scheme, and it was always a great unit, but it felt like whenever the challenge was its greatest, he always found a way to do a little bit more and make sure you guys were always in the right position to make plays. And Eric Zerneski, you're right, the Harlan Hill winner that year, threw for 378 yards, but only one touchdown, threw a pick. He was sacked twice by, of course, yourself uh, during that game. <laughs> what was it about Coach Boswick and that defensive unit that, uh, man, people were like, man, maybe this is the, the player that knocks Northwest off, and the Bearcats always found a way to get it done? You know, um, obviously everybody knows Coach Boswick was just a great coach, um, and he, he you know, wore his heart on his sleeve. He went out there and gave you everything he got. Um, whether you were messing up and he's digging into you, letting you know you messed up, um, or, or if he, uh, if you're doing something great, he comes over and loves on you on the sideline. Um, you know, pre- preparation is, is something that you definitely noticed, um, back then just from our coaching staff. Um, and it resembles now to this day. I mean, Coach Wright has taken that to a whole, you know, to another level as far as preparation and stuff like that, getting ready for games. And I'm sure he took a lot of that from Coach Boswick. Um, Coach Boswick was just, not only a great football coach on the field, the thing that that drove you is when you look to the sideline and you have a man over there that you know that cares about you, and he's put so much work into this week by week, and you step on the field, you just don't, you know, it's it's just like another brotherhood thing. You just don't want to let him down. 
Um, so when he draws up the game plan, there's no questions. You just, you just follow the game plan. You go out there and give everything you got. And then at the end of the game, if the chips don't fall our way, we know we've given everything we got and, and that's what we do. But, um, you know, uh, luckily back then, you know, we had a lot of tight games and, and the chips did fall our way, but a lot of it just had to do with, um, preparation, having us prepared for those moments when those moments, uh, came to us. And, and all, all credit to Coach Boswick and, and, and the whole defensive staff of, of how they coached us that year. It was, it was exceptional. As that game comes to an end against UCM and you get the final stop, I, I, I take that back. Um, the offense, I think it was a pass to Jake Soy, clock's still running, kicking unit has to get out on the field, no timeouts yep. left. Do you think, do you think the kick's going to happen before or the snap before time expires? Um, it's crazy, but those are the things that we did in practice. Like it's, you know, like I didn't doubt the fact that we would get an opportunity to kick it. I know the time was running down and, you know, it was chaos out there, but if you just watch and then just watch how our guys, as soon as they realize the ball's down and they realize that we're kicking, our guys get out there and get lined up as quickly as possible. And our guys who are on there that need to get off the field, they are hauling butt off the field. Um, it's just one of those things that every, you know, we, we practice those moments and, and credit to the coaching staff because they set us up for that. But we, we practice those moments to get out there and be able to execute those moments. Um, so I, I, I didn't have any question as far as if we were going to get out there and get lined up. Um, as I saw the kick getting kicked, that was, that was another question that popped in my head. But, no, as far as execution and getting out there and, and doing what we're supposed to do, um, I had full belief in, in all the teammates that we were going to do it. Where does that one rank as far as games that you played at Northwest? Uh, and man. not counting the national championship because that's probably pretty high up there. Yeah, I would I would probably say that that's got to be um, that's got to be number two. Um, that one, and then I would put my senior year against Texas A and M Kingsville. That that was I guess that was that same year. Yeah, to, to the, later on that year we played Kingsville. That was a pretty crazy game. But I think just as far as the ex- expectation of the offense we were playing against, it rose the level of. of that game. So I would put that game probably number two behind the national championship for sure. Now from playing at Northwest and also a GA at Northwest Missouri State just last year, on to Wayne State working with another, another former Bearcat, aren't you? Yes, yes. Coach John McMiniman working with him is a great guy. Uh, man, I've loved every second of being here. Um, I'm learning and growing every single day from him um, and just the knowledge he has. Um, you know, obviously we have a little history from from back in the day as far as us both going to Northwest and, and, you know, we chat about that from time to time, but, um, I, you know, obviously him being at central and knowing, you know, what they did last year, um, as far as an offense goes and his football mind and coming over here to Wayne state with him, it, it's been amazing. Any aspirations to be a head coach one day? Uh, yeah, I, w- I would say one day for sure. I, w- I would love that opportunity. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, enjoying the moment of, of being where I'm at now and, and kind of growing in development. But I think in a couple of years, if I continue to grow and, um, you know, I got, I got great mentors in my corner. Coach Wright has been more than a father figure to me. Um, and, and I know, you know, if, if I ever have questions or need anything, I can, I could reach out and call him and, and he would be glad to talk to me. Um, but I have a lot of friends and, and old coaches that I, that have, that have taught me things along the way that, you know, it, it definitely piques my interest later down the road, for sure. All right, a few quick ones, and I'll let you go, Roberto. Sure. Um, 
as a pretty good defensive end, pass rusher uh, at your time at Northwest Missouri State. Who would you uh-huh. say, personally, looking at the NFL, college, wherever you want to go with it, is your favorite defensive end or pass rusher of all time? Ooh, wow. <laughs> that is a tough one. Um, of all time. Uh, okay, that's going to take me longer to think about. What I can <laughs> tell you is that um, right now, off the top of my head, just uh, just because of his physical ability and the, the way he's able to move and what he does as an inside guy, and I know I was an outside guy, um, but I would say, because he can play outside, I would probably say Aaron Donald's my favorite right now, and I mean, that's an easy choice. A lot of people would probably pick him, um, but just... You know, he has some physical features that you can't really mock and that he's able to, you know, the things that he does is, is unreal. And the way he looks, to be that big and have a six-pack and look like your model is just <laughs> absurd in this world to me. Um, but if I were to go back in the day, I was I was a huge Julius Peppers fan growing up. Nice. Um, he would probably be one of the other guys now. I wasn't gifted with his freak, freakish length and speed. Um, I was decently fast, but his length kind of is a game changer. But he was one of the guys that I watched um, very often and and try to emulate stuff off of for sure. He was a pretty good basketball player too back in the day, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was. He did. He played basketball in college, I believe. He was pretty good at that as well. A couple good picks. I was wondering if you're going Khalil Mack when you said more recent, but Donald's been just dominating everything lately. Yeah, so. and I, I do love Khalil Mack. I think he's a great player. Um, you know, he can, he's kind of, he can play both, I think. I think he can play a little outside backer, a little DN. Um, but yeah, Aaron Donald, man, it's just to do what he's doing as a defensive tackle position and put up the numbers that he puts up. Um, it's pretty crazy. So I have to give him the nod. Looking back to your days as a Bearcat, you were number 87. Why? Yes. Um, <laughs> so, so I was originally number 11. Coming out of junior college, and and there was another guy that was number eleven that um, has done a lot more than I did prior <laughs> to getting there, and that's our quarterback by the name of Blake Bowles. Um, I uh, <laughs> I really wanted it, um, but after I found out he had it, it was a no brainer, and I went with eighty seven um, because it just meant a lot. It meant the year I was born. Um, and I felt like I was reborn at Northwest. It was kind of a, a, a new life that I was given going there. And I kind of just, you know, I just said 87, and I know it was probably weird, probably kind of weird looking on a defensive end, but um, you never know when, when Coach wanted to add in a special package to have a defensive line to catch a ball on offense. So I was always ready for that just in case that would happen. Um, but, no, it truly was just based off of just me thinking, all right, that's the year I was born. This is a new life for me and kind of resetting myself. And you know what? It worked out pretty well. From the broadcaster perspective, you see 87 on defense. It's easy. It, it clicks in your head. And, and you're right. Step in there as tight end anytime you need to. So, <laughs> Yes, sir. Yes, All right. Sir. Last one for you. Give me a Super Bowl prediction for this year. Oh, yeah. Man, you're, you're going to get me hated around Kansas City. Um, <laughs> you're going to pick the Texans, see. aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan, okay? So okay. Super Bowl is a touchy subject for me. Mm. Um, but, but if I had to, uh, if I had to break it down, I, I don't want to pick a team in the same conference. But you know, I don't ever doubt Tom Brady. As bad as it sounds, because of what he did to us, what four years ago now. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with Bucks, and 
I'll, I'll make sure Kansas City doesn't hate me. I'll go Bucks <laughs> and Kansas City. And who pulls it out? Uh, whew, you know, with the healthy Kansas City, I think Kansas City pulls it out. All right, I might have to jot this down and get with you in a couple months. So yeah, yeah, do that. Revisit do that. that. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully it's the Falcons and whoever else. But yeah, uh, I, that that would be if that would be what I would go to the table with if I just had to pick. So you would and I t- definitely will never pick the Cowboys. So you would tell me that taking Matt Ryan in my fantasy football draft was a good move. Um. Well, since I did the same, I would say that's an excellent move. <laughs> Good. Good. We're on the same page. <laughs> we just got to hope he isn't throwing picks. That's all. Exactly. You know, I, yeah. Last year, that's what kind of killed him. He threw a lot of picks last year. But with their offense and their team, well, their offense alone, um, they should be able to put up some decent numbers. Just get it to Jones and Ridley as much as possible. Yeah. Hey, not a bad one, man. Not a bad one at all. He, he'll get a lot of targets with Julio being covered up. Yeah. Especially now that he, they're, he's number two now. So. There you go. We're going to shift this into an Atlanta Falcons podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I would love that. Have me on here every week. There we go. (laughs) Roberto, (laughs) thanks for coming on. Thanks for the time. And uh, and good luck as you go on throughout Wayne State. And hope to catch up with you again soon. Sounds good, man. You have a good one, boss. Thanks once again to Roberto Davis for joining us here on Bearcat Rewind. And without live football games this fall, we're finding a way to give you your Bearcat fix. For 15 Saturdays starting this week in September 12th, KXCV KRNW, the flagship of the Bearcat Radio Network, will air Bearcat Classics from 1 to 4 each Saturday afternoon. They're re-airings of some of the best football games in the last 20 years at Northwest. We start this Saturday with a 2010 regular season meeting between the Bearcats and the Mules, that same game that we talked about with Roberto just a little bit ago. That'll be at 1 o'clock this Saturday on KXCV 90.5 or online at kxcv.org. Don't miss it. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Bearcat Rewind today. Please subscribe, rate, review, and tell your friends about the podcast. I'm Matt Tritton. We will talk to you again next time.